you bow with me as we pray, please? Our Heavenly Father, today we're grateful that we can be in this place. We're thankful for what we've already experienced. I ask now for wisdom to preach your message. I ask you not only to give me that wisdom to preach it, but give each one of us here a spirit to hear it and what you would have to say to us collectively or individually that it'll be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In carrying out the theme that we're doing through the book of Mark, I took this opportunity to use one word for the sermon title today, and that's the word sent. And I hope as we go through this message that we'll understand how we've all been called to go and to do what God would have us to do. It's so important because the gospel message is put out there or shown through our lives and through our willingness to go. And as we go through this today, I want us to think about a couple of things. Number one, who is it that we can send? Uh, we saw the video concerning the North American Mission Board offering for this year, and we saw different people, we saw different cities, and it helps us to realize that there are lots of people out there who do not know about Jesus, who probably some have never heard about Jesus, and as it pointed out about the Chinese lady, she's been taught all of her life there is no God, so she's passing that on down to others. And so we need to look not only at things like that where we can give, and I hope we give more than the $3,300, that we can be a part of sending people all around the United States, our territories, and areas where the uh, North American Mission Board functions in supporting our missionaries are there, but they will understand that we're sent as well as they are sent. We have a message to carry to a lost world. Now our world may be right here in a matter of 20 miles from where we are is where most of our being will be, but there's opportunities for us if we'll look for those opportunities. And Jesus sent these men out, and I think it was so exciting as we read and think about the fact, and, and let me put a parenthesis in here, sometimes I just wonder how awestruck it would have been to have lived when Jesus lived on this earth. Can you imagine having been one of those persons that he called who walked with him to learn from him, and he sent those individuals out to do things. I, I, it just, I mean, it almost makes cold chills run up and down my back just to think about what it must have been to have lived then. But yet, then I think about how special it is to live today. We have something that those disciples didn't have at that point in their life. We have God living in us through the person of the Holy Spirit, all of us who are saved, so as we go forth, it ought to be as exciting for us to go as it was for those men to go and to do the things that they've done. What did he tell us? We all know the Great Commission. I'm not going to quote it. I'll be reading from Acts 1.8 here in a little bit. But the excitement that we ought to have of getting just to talk about Jesus to somebody maybe that's a stranger to us, someone that we haven't been able to communicate with before. Maybe it's somewhere that God just puts somebody in our path and we get to talk to them about the Lord Jesus. So there's some things I want us to look at today. Uh, five different points that I want to share with us. And, uh, and I hope that you'll listen to them. And above listening to them, that you'll listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. What does He say to me through Scripture? How does this Scripture apply to me as an individual? That I collectively can be in the body where He's placed me. And that we can accomplish together what he's called us to do. It's exciting. But the first thing that we learn from this passage today is that Christians 
should share the gospel. It's not an option with us about sharing the gospel. We all have that opportunity somewhere. Some people, it may be that it's only within just the family itself, and it may be a mother like the Chinese mother with her little girl, but it's sharing that gospel with someone. You see, this is what he said there in that verse uh, 7 that we read, Andrew read to us. He said he summoned the twelve. We're in, we're in Mark 6, where our scripture is today. In that seventh verse, he says, He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over all clean spirits. He sent them out. They were sent. And what did he tell us to do? He tells us to go, doesn't he? To do the very thing that God would have us to do. You see there in Acts 1.8, listen to what he says to us in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power. Where did these men get their power? They got it from Jesus, didn't they? Where do we get our power? We get it through the Holy Spirit living in us. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in your Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So he says, that's a responsibility for each one of us. So we look at that, and we ask, how can I carry out that part of my uh command to do that. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt after all these years that evangelism is much easier than we have made it appear to people. And that is that God expects us to be a witness wherever we are. We think of evangelism and we think of it having a night set aside in the church where we all go out on visitation and we go see somebody and we hope to invite them to church, maybe tell them about Jesus, but it's on that particular time. Evangelism or our going is something that goes on every moment of every day in our life. You see in Acts chapter 8 verse 4, we see this with the early church. In Acts 8 4, look what it says. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. And you remember the persecution came to the church at Jerusalem and, and the lay people is who left. The apostles, they stayed there. The others went out. And what did they do? Wherever they were scattered, wherever they went, they were claiming, weren't they, the message of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm convinced that we need to help us, our church family, to understand that our mission is wherever we are. Our opportunities are wherever we may be. It may not come every time that we are out among people, but we should be sensitive enough to the uh, surroundings and to the power of the Holy Spirit to realize that God has given us a message at this moment that He wants us to share with someone. It may be a simple message. It may just be that I care. Can I pray for you? Is there anything going on that I can help you with? Begin to learn something about them. Take care of them. Let them know that it means something to be a Christian. It ought to be one of the most exciting things in our life to tell others about Jesus. I can just imagine these people. Persecution has come to them, but yet here they are going, wherever they're going, and they're telling others about Jesus. And so many times when we are afraid, and, and I'll put me at the top of that list, okay, the fingers pointing back to me, sometimes Satan will intimidate us and say, oh, you don't want to talk about it. Somebody will think you're nuts, you're a, uh, you're, you're a fool for Jesus, or whatever it may be, but look for opportunities. Because they're all around us. Always there's an opportunity for us to share the love of Christ. 
The second thing we see in this passage is in verses 8 and 9. And that is that Jesus met their needs, so therefore He'll meet our needs. Look what He said. He instructed them to take nothing for their road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on an extra shirt. He says, I'll take care of you. You just go and do what I've told you to do. Paul, writing the church of Philippians in chapter 4, verse uh, 19, said this to us. And my God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What He calls us to do, He'll supply for us to do it. The one thing that God can probably limit it in, and I know God can do anything, but God expects us to be obedient to His commands. So if we don't do what He told us to do, then we're failing not only Him, we're failing ourselves. And if we're in a church family, we're even failing that church family by not doing, because God has provided the things that He would have for us in order for us to accomplish what He would have for us to do. You think about living in 2019 compared to living in 1919. Now that's probably hard for any of us to do. There may be somebody, I'm sure we have maybe a church, no, I guess even our oldest church members weren't born until the 20s now, but we go back a hundred years and just think of how much easier it is for you today and for me today to share the gospel with so many different people than it was for them. Most people in that time probably spent their entire life, if not in the community where they lived, probably within the county of where they live. I know just a few years ago, Peggy and I were in Lexington, saw a young lady riding up and down the escalator on a, at Sears there at, at the mall. And, and I told Peggy, I said, that kid's never been to town. That kid's never seen an escalator. You can tell by the way she's doing that she has never seen anything like this before. And I decided to do something, and that was get on the escalator behind her. And I'm going to ask her, where are you from? Have you ever been here to ride escalator before? And as we got to the top, because we went up and back down, and I said to her, uh, have you ridden these before? No, this is the first time I've ever seen them. I mean, she is excited with a kid with a new toy. Well, you go back, this has probably not been 20 years ago. And she, the county she was out of was down north of Somerset, Pulaski County. And, and she had never been to the big city. And here she was, a teenager. That's uncommon today, isn't it? But it wasn't uncommon a hundred years ago, and now we get to go everywhere. We get to interchange our lives with other people, don't we? We intersect with lives everywhere, and God says, I have equipped you. I have given you everything that you need if you'll take advantage of it. And then I'm going to tell you something. When we're obedient to Him and other things, He'll take care of every other thing that we need. And I think one of the reasons that we miss out on so many blessings is that we think it doesn't matter to Him whether we're obedient in areas. It is a, it very much because you know He has told us, if you love me, do what I told you to do, didn't it? Keep my commandments. So we find it's exciting to be sent because there's a lost world out there in the state of Kentucky or Commonwealth of Kentucky. Statistically, we know that seven to eight out of ten of every person that you meet on the street is lost. Every time you pick up the obituary and read it, I don't care if they're church members or not church members. Being a church member doesn't guarantee your salvation. The only thing that guarantees your salvation is a personal experience with Jesus Christ, coming to a place where you repent, you turn to Him, and let Him become your Savior, 
and your Lord. But now you can't find very many times in the newspaper, in the obituary, where they even bother to tell whether a person was a part of a church or not. It doesn't matter. But yet, statistically, based on questions have been asked, seven to eight out of every ten people we meet on the street, here where we live, in this county, and we know that on any given Sunday, there's only about, what, 14 to 16 percent of the people in Hardin County in church. LaRue County beats you in this Hardin County. They have about 4 percent more of LaRue Countyans attend church on Sunday than they do in Hardin County. That ought to wake us up to the fact of this. If there's that many folk out here that are not going to church in this county, there's something wrong with their life. They're either not saved or they don't understand a committed life to Jesus. So we have the opportunity to go and to encourage and to help. The third thing we see is he shares how God is filling his will through us. Look at verses 10 and 11. He says, He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. You see, as we go, as we share, we can't make anyone accept what we have to give. If I stand up here and I take this book and I open it up to a passage and I read that passage to you and you ignore that passage because you don't want to obey that passage, I can't do anything about it, right? I can't make you do anything. I can share with you what the truth is, but I can't make you do anything. I can't make a person who's lost be saved. I can share with them that God loved them so much that He sent His Son to this earth to live and to die on a cross, that through the shedding of His blood that they can be saved. If they're willing to repent of their sin and trust Him and let Him become their Savior and their Lord. But I cannot make anybody do that. That's every individual to himself or herself, whether she or he is willing to repent and come to Christ. Christ has paid the price. We all want to live forever. Let us get something wrong with us. The first thing we want to do is go find the best person we can in the world to help us get well, right? That's, that's our, what we want to do. We want to live as long as we can. That's our nature as humans. But yet we can live forever through Jesus, and we point that out. We share that with individuals on a regular basis, and people walk away from it when God has offered it, and He paid the price for it, and He says, if you'll just come to me. Now, let me qualify that by saying this. As a part of God's forever family, not to be a part of God's forever family, but as a part of God's forever family, just like you have responsibilities in your family at home, there comes responsibility from being a Christian, from doing and being what God would call us to be. With that, God equips us because the instant we get saved, God puts the Holy Spirit in our life. So every one of us who are in here today who are saved are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's living in us. So everything that we do, every thought that we have, everything that we put priority, He knows all about it, whether it's God Himself or whether it's something else that's priority in our life. So it's very important to recognize that when God calls us to be a part of His forever family by coming to live in us, then He gives us the ability 
to be what He's called us to be. He's given me what I need to be obedient to those things that He's called me to be. So it's exciting to know that God has called us and sent us, and with that, He will take care of us. Look here, if you would, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, about, well, you say, I go, and it, it doesn't work. He says, if they don't want you, dust off the, your feet and leave them. Paul said this, and I think it's really good for me, and I hope for you in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Paul says, the important thing is, I did what you called me to do, right? That you can't do anything for anybody else, make them do it. But you can live your life as Christ has called you to live it. You can be that godly person if you're willing to obey His commands. Can I get an amen on that? It's, it's not me trying to live up to your standard. It's not me trying to be, as a preacher, somebody that a lot of people respect and see on television all the time and talk about how good they are. My responsibility is to be the best Tony Carson that I can be, the best pastor that I can be at First Baptist Sonora, Kentucky, to deliver the best that I can in sharing those messages. That's what He requires out of me. He doesn't require out of you to be somebody that you may look at and think, I could never be like them. He requires you to be what He's called you to be, the best you that you can possibly be. And that's what Paul said. I finished it. It's over. And I've done my best. Amen? And that's what I want to say. And when we've done that, we enter in that glory with Him. He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Won't He? And that's what all of us, I pray, look forward to. And then... The next thing we see is the gospel is a powerful message. We need to understand, listen folks, if you want to talk to somebody about the Lord and you want to do anything, don't argue with people. Say, let me show you the good things. Let me show you how much God loved you. Let's look at that. And then if you're not satisfied, we can talk about something else. I've learned from being a pastor that when you start talking to people, they want to get off on some subject just to get you off the track. But talk to them about Jesus. Share with them John 3, 16. Say, here, here's the Bible. Read this verse and see what it says. Now read the next verse and see what it says. For God sent not His Son in the world, condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see what He's done for you? Now let's turn over here to Romans, and let's see how He puts it together, all right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look, you're looking at a man right here who has been as lost as a goose, but I'm saved today because of what God did for me. All have sinned. I'm not a perfect man. That's why he said in 1 John that if I confess my sin, he'd forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness because he knew that we're going to have the daily sin. That's what John 13, the washing of the feet's all about. That's why Peter didn't need to be bathed all over. Jesus said, if you're clean, you're clean. But you get that dirt on your feet as you walk around, so you need to have your feet washed. You need to have the daily sins taken care of. Amen? That's what it's all about. So we look at these verses, 12 and 13. Look at the powerful. So they went out and preached that people should repent. That's the main thing about preaching is repentance. It's not walking down here and shaking the preacher's hand. It's not about going into the baptismal water. It's about repenting. And once we've repented, then we unite ourselves with a local body of believers somewhere to carry out the commission that God has given us, and we follow Him in believers' baptism to identify ourselves with Him, and in our case, with the church as well. Verse 13 says, uh, 
They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. That was the authority that He gave them. Our commission is to go and share the gospel that men and women might be saved. Look what He says here in Romans 1, 16. He says, for Romans 1, 16, He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. The message we care carry carries with it the power of salvation, the power that gives people eternal life. What in the world could anyone ask for more than to know that we're going to live forever and ever and ever from now on throughout eternity with Jesus Christ? What a blessing. What a message we have to carry. And then the final thing is Christ should tell, uh, Christians should tell others about what Jesus is doing in their lives. Look here at, the, at those 30 verses, 30 through 32, verses 30 through 32 of Mark chapter 7. He says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all that they had done and taught. They were excited about what was going on, what He had done. Listen, we ought to be excited when we leave here today. We ought to, the most exciting thing ought to be on our minds when we leave here today is the fact that we know Christ and we have the privilege of getting to share Him with somebody else. Think about it. Of all the things that you can do, of all the great things that can happen in your life, would be for God to put somebody in your way today and you get to tell them about Jesus and you get to see them say, I want to know Jesus and to know that God has touched you and used you, and you get to be that person. What an exciting thing. And then it goes on and said, He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while, for many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. Listen, folks, sometimes we just need to get away from the hustle and bustle of it all. We need to relax. And you know, one of the things we're trying to do by doing this through our Sunday school, through our worship service, through our daily Bible readings, through all the things that we've got on, the, on Facebook, uh, whatever else we got it on. All these things are that we might fix our eyes on Jesus and that we might glorify God through our daily lives. And I challenge us, let's take the advantage of what God has given us in 2019 to share the gospel. Look what... Uh, we see Mark here in 5, 19, Mark chapter 5, verse 19 says, He says, Jesus did not let him, but told him. Now he's talking about, the, we talked about this the other day, the Gadarean, you remember the maniac that was all bent out of joint when he'd get all carried away, he, was, he would just go nuts, he was filled with demons. And when Jesus healed him, what did he do? He sat in his right mind, he was dressed, and Jesus gets ready to leave. You all know why he left. You remember why Jesus was leaving him? don't want you to answer it. Just think about it. In case you've forgotten, if someone said, if you think you're a real good preacher, ask your deacon next Sunday what you preached on the last Sunday, and then you'll find out how good you are. So I'm asking you all, do you remember how, how, how come Jesus left that maniac there? Told him to go home? Because they ran Jesus out of town. He left. They didn't want him there. And that guy wanted to go with him. And I don't blame him a lick. Do you? None whatsoever. I mean, here he is. He's been so bad he, they couldn't even keep him chained up. He cut himself with all kinds of things. 
ran around without any clothes on. And Jesus comes by, gets rid of those demons in his life. He accepts Christ. He is sitting there in his right mind. The people come out, and they're more afraid of him in his right mind than they were when he was like he was demon-possessed. And Jesus said to him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. What's God done for you lately? What have you got to share with somebody that God's done for you? Do you take time each day to thank Him for the little things that are big things if it wasn't for His grace and His mercy? Tell the world what He's done for you. Be thankful for the things He's done for you. Are you willing? Are you ready to do what He said for us to do? To go and to tell. So simple. But you know what? It's hard to go and tell if we don't have anything to tell. Do you know Jesus today? Andrew and the music team is going to get ready to lead us in our hymn of invitation. Do you know Jesus today? Can you go and tell somebody how much it means to be saved? Can you tell somebody how much it means to live a disciplined life? Can you tell somebody how much it means to you to have left what you had and now you're excited about doing the things you do and that you found that Jesus said, truth in John when he said I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly that he has shown me that life in him is much better than it was in the world regardless of what I was doing and how much fun I thought it was go and tell you have a message to tell can you tell somebody if you can't I challenge you if you're saved get it right with Jesus today get it right with Jesus today Folks, you don't want sin in your life. You don't want to fail to do what God would have you to do because you're going to answer to Him someday for it. It is appointed a man wants to die. And after this, what? The judgment. Can you imagine going to heaven and Him looking at you and say, this, this, and this? You just... You're here. Yeah, you made it by the skin of your teeth. Wouldn't you much rather walk through that veil when it happens and him say to you, well done, well done. You did it my way, not your way. Heavenly Father, if there's one lost person here today that needs to be saved, only you can convict. I can just preach. I pray you'll convict that heart. Today they'll want to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. I pray today, Lord, that they'll understand that repentance is the critical part of coming. It's not just shaking my hand. It's not just answering three or four questions. It's not just praying. It's not just going into the baptistry. But, Father, it is all about turning through repentance, walking with you every day of our life. Father, if there's people in this building today who are saved, who know they're saved, but yet they know that they're willfully sinning against you, whatever that sin may be, 
And they may be thinking that the sin is unimportant. It may be something if Baptists were listing sins, it would be way down at the bottom of the list, but Lord, it's still sin. And it's what sent Jesus to the cross. Heavenly Father, today, would you do a mighty work in this place? Would you do a mighty work in my heart? Would you make me more of what I ought to be every nanosecond of the day? Lord, please use me. Please use this church. Please, Heavenly Father, cause us to be one, to be a church, a fellowship of believers who each as individuals are walking as close to you as we possibly can. We pray this, ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord.